Hey, this is Matt Sorum from Velvet Revolver, The Cult, and Guns N' Roses. And you're listening to Your Morning Coffee with host Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. From Billboard, as Spotify's ARPU drops, subscriber lifetime value has grown. And for music business worldwide, YouTube says it paid the music industry $4 billion in the past 12 months. From the New York Times, some venue owners get a federal lifeline. Others are told they're dead. And from the Los Angeles Times, TikTok stars like Bella Porch can turn random songs into hits. So why not make them themselves? We've got this. We've got a little bit more besides that with my good buddy Jay Gilbert. This is the Your Morning Coffee Podcast, episode number 43. Stand by for transmission. This is London Calling. Wake up! Your morning coffee is on the air. 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 For the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. What's going on, Jay Gilbert? Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. I see you have your cat on your uh, your desk there. God, my cat is so annoying this morning. <laughs> yeah, whenever I'm sitting here, the cat wants to be up on the table and paying attention, and then stepping on the keyboard and bumping into the mixer and the microphone. What could go wrong? What could go possibly go wrong? Exactly. Yeah, we've got a lot of cool stories to talk about. By the way, that chap yes, that I am talking to, he is none other than Jay Gilbert, the curator of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter, which you may know is weekly music news for the new music business and former former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, Warner Music, and Fox Home Entertainment. Yes, sir. And Mike is a longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, Universal Music, and a certified test pilot. Good morning from beautiful Napa Valley. You're on the we're, road again. We're remote. Yeah. Yes. I, I need to do a remote... <clears throat> run of of uh, of doing the show i'm i'm bored i'm, I'm sitting here at my house all the time and you, Look, you're on the you're road vaccinated man. i'm caffeinated let's uh let's do it um i'm up here at a recording studio there are goats there are dogs there's a zen-like thing with goats i just love being in the presence of goats yeah, they're cool they're cool. They're they're really There's cool. There's a number so. of goat uh, in my neck of the woods here. There's a number of companies that that bring goats out to your property to for fire suppression or for you know. Oh, yeah, so eating the they'll they'll the instead brush. of get the weed whacker out, you you can bring the goats in and they'll just go to town and yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll clear your clear your brush, which is very. Cool. I love it. Well, let's talk about it. Jay before we get started. How about our yeah. most groovy sponsors? Yeah, your morning coffee podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform. Makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All of the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting in a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word. You'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code 
morning coffee. And we are also sponsored by HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Owen Davis. HypeBot and sister music, uh, sister blog music think tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. And yes, Bands in Town, over 55 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist service platform connecting over 530,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. And yes, there are tour dates. Woohoo! Big thanks to Bands in Town, Hypebot, and of course Bandzoogle. Big, big, big yeah. thanks. Totally appreciate it. We have so many great things to talk about today. Uh, the first uh, piece is, as you mentioned, from Billboard and was written by our friend Glenn Peoples, mm-hmm. one of my favorite writers and uh, a good friend. Um, the headline is Upside Downside as Spotify's ARPU drops, subscriber lifetime value has grown. And this is a really interesting piece because ARPU, um, uh, what am I talking about here? It's average, or yeah, average revenue per user. I, I, I say <laughs> I it so often. Which I don't one even of the, know what it, I always forget which one of the letters is is what it is. Yeah. Yes, ARPU. Yeah, these ARPU, average revenue per user. So it's a metric that everybody looks at, and they judge uh, Spotify and other DSPs by that, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to that number, and what this piece does is kind of digs in. To those metrics and there's a really great chart that shows how yeah ARPU is declining <clears throat> but the lifetime value of these subscribers is growing and there's a lot of factors so let's dig in um, so Glenn he, he starts off by talking about Daniel Eck and Daniel Eck you know the CEO at Spotify says our continued focus is on reaching more listeners as ultimately this will translate into long-term value for our investors you know this came off of a, an investor call um and paul vogel on that same call said for us it's historically been about really thinking about growing users and subscribers first before worrying about monetization well and this is kind of the long term uh, it's the, it's the uh it's the kind of little of this, a little that, right? It's like, okay, they need to make money, of course, and 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 talk about their subscriber growth. But on the other hand, you have artists saying, "Hey, I want more revenue. I want more revenue." Yeah. And uh, you know, he 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 covers lots of things, but he sometimes doesn't touch on exactly everything. And right, right. Oh gosh, it is. Um, uh, I, well, you and I talk about this a lot. The artists want more revenue, but remember. Spotify and these DSPs don't pay artists. They pay the rights holders, which is typically the labels. And I know we beat that dead horse, but it bears repeating because you read these articles that say, you know, Spotify's not paying artists enough. Well, this, this digs in, and you're absolutely right because, you know, these rights holders are upset about this because they're less focused on how many subscribers a music service has than on how much money it takes in from each. That number is the average revenue per user, ARPU. And it's closely watched because of this direct relationship to royalties, right, which many creators wish were higher. In 2020, Spotify's global ARPU was $5.25 a month of which it paid out about $3.90. Okay, so that number is down over 39% since 2015 when it was $8.66. Yeah. And that's due to a lot of factors, including expansion into countries you know, with lower prices, uh, telecom bundling, uh, student deals, family plans, which is huge, right? So when Spotify makes less per user, of course, to your point, so do the creators. Well, and I, that was kind of a shocking number at how much it has decreased since 2015 to me. Um, yeah. I had not yeah. seen that as uh, that number recently. And I don't really know. I mean, I it's we talk a lot about Spotify's ARPU, but I haven't seen that much data, or at least lately, on, on the other DSP's ARPU. Um, where 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 do they where you know where's apple where's amazon in that in that number right a lot of these dsps don't release 
a lot of these numbers. In fact, some of the numbers I remember reading in this piece uh, near the end that they had extrapolated. Um, here it is. Uh, larger royalty checks may be coming for other reasons. Spotify's ARPU could rise modestly in 2021. Um, where is it? They're talking about increases in markets. Well, I can't find it now, but there, there's a piece in here where they they actually did the math themselves. It wasn't part of this call that they were on with Spotify. So a lot of these metrics aren't necessarily uh, released to the public. Right. <laughs> Which leaves us guessing, Jay. Um yeah, well, and of course they're going to be raising rates a bit uh, in the near future, so so the, that's going to go up. Um, but it it's still yeah. it's such a ridiculous value when you think about it, and we talk about this all the time, which is, yeah. you know, you you have most of the world's music at your fingertips any time of the day for ten for bucks. ten bucks a month, and Man. you know and. Boy, what have you paid for gas lately? What you know, everything is going up, and yet this is still kind of held down. And yeah. you know, they mentioned also in the article about the this, this, this um, sort of higher higher quality um, music be, being kind of a, a, a higher tier. And we've talked about Atmos mixes, and that that supposedly was going to be happening. And so it just seems like it's stuck, and it should be much higher. Um, well, it, it, they are starting, and they, they speak about this in this article that um, Spotify, for example, is raising their rates, yeah. um, which is a good thing to pay the rights holders and then ultimately the songwriters, performers, uh, more money. I did find that that thing I was looking for a second ago. It was on churn, you know, on their Spotify's churn rate. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Spotify and other services see family plans and other discounts as a way to solve an even bigger problem, churn, you know, the percentage of subscribers who leave a service within a given period, right? Uh, The churn rate, for example, for like mobile phones, um, I'm told is like, you know, typically around 2% or less, you know, and they talk about here, Spotify does not reveal its current churn rate. That's that's what I was looking for, right? Um, But but analyst uh, Jason Bazinet estimates that it was around 4% in 2020, down from 7.7% in 2015. So that churn rate is, is going down, and that's a good thing for value as well. Um, it says that you know deals like family plans, even though there's less ARPU, it keeps people you know, from jumping ship and going somewhere else. Um, well, and churn is such an... Uh and I don't know about you, but I, I periodically kind of go through all of my subscriptions and go, okay, what, 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 what am I going to keep? You know, especially, I mean, it's mostly with, with television stuff. Um, but churn is big. And that to me seems like a, an incredibly no, low number for churn. But I think yeah. like we've talked about in the past too, music and television slash movies are, you know, a little different as more and more of those services, whether it's, you know, HBO and Hulu and all those things kind of more and more come on, on, uh, uh, come out. It, there are um, there's just more of an issue on that side of things with music. It just seems like vi- so few people. Ch- once you're in with music, yeah, you just kind of stay there and you get your create your playlists. And while you can transfer those over, it, it's it's kind of a headache. Yeah, I was asking Glenn about this, and he told me about some things I hadn't really thought of that can affect churn. One is you may have. Uh, let's say a lapsed credit card or something Mm -hmm. and your subscription ends and then you re-sign up. The other thing is I'm one of those people, like if I'm building playlists in uh, a DSP like Apple Music or Spotify or Pandora or whatever, if I'm building playlists, I'm not going to jump ship. There are platforms that will help you move your playlist from one to another, but they're a little wonky and they're not all complete and you know, they're, it's a headache. It's 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 a hassle. Yeah, it's a headache. Why do it? Why do it? Whereas yeah. I will jump ship with, you know, if I have showtime to watch certain shows, then I'll split and then maybe come back when there's other shows that I want or whatever the whatever the television service is. Um, but music is a different it's I think of it differently in in that subscription universe. It's and yeah, we've my and it's it's I guess it's like, you know, beer, cigarettes, whatever, you know, brand, brand loyalty, you know, at, at some point. And yeah. certainly my, my kids have brand loyalty to Spotify without a doubt. I have brand loyalty to Apple um, mm-hmm. and Amazon and other things. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, I think their brand loyalty just kind of comes into play. And so, yes. Yeah. And it's just, like you said, it's a hassle. <laughs> I don't yeah. switch. So like, churn, you know, is one thing, but the bottom line is, is that, 
as an industry, we're looking at ARPU and Spotify doesn't really care about that so much. They're really looking at what they call lifetime value. Yeah, lifetime value. You know, so they say, you know, even though their ARPU declined nearly 40% between 2015 and 2020, the lifetime value of new subscribers to the service has more than doubled from $16.78 to $36.85, according to Billboard's calculations. So... It's interesting that we always look at that average revenue uh, per user as such a powerful metric, but there are so many other things in play. You know, yes, it's declining over time, but in the piece they say it captures a melting pot of different prices from established markets with the highest prices to newer markets like Russia and India with lower prices, which means lifetime value, which is, you know, in part derived from ARPU, will vary from market to market. So there's all sorts of these little variables within this thing. But the the thing that I look for is, you know, are they going to be profitable at some point? You know, mm -hmm. I think that's going to be really important to their survival. Because if you look at these big dogs like uh, that well, their, their revenue isn't dependent on streaming. Apple, Google, Amazon, right? They're they're powerful companies that, if music went away tomorrow, they'd still be doing well, yeah. right? But then you know Spotify, you know that's why they're getting into podcasts. Mm -hmm. You know that's why you know they need to grow that base. And that's what their goal is, yeah. is to get as many subscribers, get that big pool and keep them uh, from churning away. Yeah. But what's but what's the number where they will they're never going to be happy with whatever subscriber numbers they have. And so I think that's kind of my question is, OK, so but when do you really start focusing on raising prices? And, you know, it's again, it's it's such a, a an incredible value. There is room for there is room for price increases. Um, yes, and, absolutely. But they, they are, again, that's not necessarily their focus. And I understand that from their perspective, but I also understand that from the perspective of rights holders. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's the age old um, uh, dilemma, I suppose, not dilemma, really. It's the age old situation, which is different perspectives and different objectives, quite frankly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the bottom line with this piece is... Near the end of the article, uh, Glenn kind of sums it up with this. Larger royalty checks may be coming uh, for other reasons, too. Spotify's ARPU could rise modestly in 2021 thanks to its intended introduction of high-quality lossless audio that you mentioned earlier um, that will likely come at a higher subscription price. Um, let's hope so because that hasn't been the trend so far with Apple and Amazon, yeah. right? So... Um, and then he says that uh, as well as price increases in 42 markets, including a $1 increase in the United States, family plan and a similar rise in, in price for three discount uh, plans in the United Kingdom. So far since Spotify, these changes haven't materially, that's easy for you to say, affected the company's churn rate, which is good news for both sides, at least for now. Yeah. So yeah. there you have it. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> we will certainly... Talk about this a lot. ARPU, A R P U, the acronym ARPU, um, yeah. and it's just such a funny word. <laughs> Every time you say it, it kind of cracks me. I don't know why. It's sort of like a potty <laughs> joke or something. Yeah, or a Simpsons character. Or a Simpsons I don't know. character, exactly. Good piece by Glenn, though. And uh, yeah, yep. and I'm always, you know, he he's got such a mind for all of these numbers and categories of companies and things like that. It's and he he does a great job of making it fairly easy to understand. But it's it's that stuff is dense. Yeah. One, one final thought here. Uh, Glenn just texted me. Um, a customer might come and go. Lifetime value doesn't measure an individual customer, just the value of each customer's subscription. A subscription that lasts 18 months can be worth more than a subscription that lasts 12 months with a higher ARPU. So to be continued. <laughs> yeah. And I think that doesn't help me understand it. Um, <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm trying to think about that. That's the, I, I'm, I'm even slightly more confused now. But okay, okay, there you go. I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, how about All this right. next uh, article for Music Business Worldwide? YouTube says it paid the music industry over four billion dollars in the last twelve months. Um, that's not an insignificant number, um, I, but it doesn't really tell me which music business: um, the recorded music business, the music publishing business. Um, 
Four billion is a big number, though. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I think they're putting this out to show that because Spotify made a similar type announcement yeah. um, earlier this year on the Spotify event stream on, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Daniel Leck announced that it, that Spotify had paid out over $5 billion to the music industry, right? So in a, a fresh newsletter sent to the music industry, YouTube's global head of music, Lear Cohen, uh, confirmed that YouTube paid artists, songwriters, and rights holders over $4 billion in the last 12 months, money derived from both YouTube ads, YouTube music, YouTube premium subscriptions. Yes. And that's very interesting the, the, that they have those different um, um, verticals, you know, and, and, yes. and, and I don't really, I'm, I'm trying to look in the, I, I didn't see any real detail of what, what those verticals are. That was a cumulative number. Um, but that's a big number. And, uh, you know, and you forget that when it's talk. at least I kind of forget because YouTube is a different animal. I mean, you, it's not really apples to apples when you're talking YouTube and Spotify at all. Um, right. But of course, YouTube, as you always say, and I always listen and, and acknowledge, it is the, the biggest music service by far. Yeah. More people listen to music on YouTube and it's the number two search engine. And, you know, it's it's a big uh, beast, you know, um, I, clearly they stayed in this article, um, which let me go to the top here because um, I want to acknowledge uh, Murray Stassen wrote this. Mm -hmm. um, we love music business worldwide and we've, we've covered a lot of Murray's uh, pieces here. Um, it says YouTube once again paid the industry the equivalent of around 20% of what it earned in revenue. Um, so look, YouTube has been um, attacked by the music industry because they pay out the lowest uh, for streaming music. Mm -hmm. So we all thought things would be a lot different with Lior going over to YouTube because he's had his business, you know, on the other side, you know, working for labels, running labels for a long time. <clears throat> so it's interesting to see these developments. Um, YouTube is still a beast of a platform. You know, we talk about TikTok all the time and Twitch and some of these emerging things that can really drive consumption. And one of the uh, articles we're going to talk about from the LA Times in a minute goes into that. But they also break artists through YouTube, too. They, they were talking about Blackpink in this virtual concert um, that had sold uh, 280,000 channel memberships. That's incredible, yeah. right? And they, they did a virtual event on January 31st. Standard access was like $30 plus access was about $40. You know, it was the live stream and rebroadcast and custom emojis. So we're all getting into monetization, not just of live streams, but of, you know, fandom in, in particular. And that's something that where I think YouTube has uh, a step ahead of Spotify, even Without though Spotify, doubt. you can buy merch and, you know, tickets and things like that. The experiences um, right now, I think YouTube is, is winning that race. But it was interesting to me to read that uh, the guy that runs beggars group, uh, Martin Mills, he's the chairman. He had some good things to say, and typically we don't hear a lot of good things from record companies about YouTube. I mean, I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest, Absolutely, right? He says, yeah. YouTube's growth for beggars business over the last couple of years has outpaced everyone, as well as the market itself, and now well on its way to deliver the potential of its huge audience to the music industry, as these revenues figures now show. So... Uh, there's a little uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Well, and what I found interesting too was was in Lior's actual comments was of the four billion dollars pl or pl a little over four billion dollars uh, generated for artists and songwriters and rights holders in the last twelve months, thirty percent of it has come from user generated content. Yes, user. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a big big deal, and that's again where what they have different than than every, you know that that's that makes them different than than any other. DSP really yeah. is is all of that user generated content, and you know as you and I talk all the time, is there's just so much stuff there on YouTube that isn't anywhere else. That's and, right. And uh, you and I were were or I was exchanging um, a couple of links with you with a, a band I like called Flight, a UK band. I think they're on Island, um, and I found something on YouTube that was a song that I loved. The, the studio version there was a there was a uh, some sort of a just a live version of them playing that song acoustically. 
I can't find that anywhere else. Of course, that's on YouTube. Right. And there's of just, course. there's so much of that stuff. And that is, again, my YouTube consumption is things that I can't find anywhere else. And yeah. um, YouTube will it's continue to be that, that, that repository there. of stuff that is just... I mean, you know, in the old days, we would call that bootleg stuff. And um, but they're paying out on it, which is great. And yeah. the band Flight, you know, they, that's clearly they have the their calculations of the music publishing royalties for that and, and all that stuff. And so, yeah, it's uh, YouTube is happening and, and they are a yeah. unique animal in this world, without a doubt. Yeah, their content ID system, for those that don't know, can identify um, songs uh, and knows who the owner is so they can have ads uh, applied to them and generate revenue. And it's, it's really good. And it can find, you know, even live versions stripped down, you know, outtakes, B-sides. It's, it's really good at finding that. The one quote out of this article that really stayed with me um, was uh, Lear Cohen said, and I quote, I've seen this industry evolve from an audio business to an audio visual business. And now as my friend Chuck D puts it to a visual audio business, mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see this evolution. And look, uh, YouTube is, is just a big beast. And you can, like you said, you can find so much uh, wonderful stuff there that maybe you can't find somewhere else. And I think that it can't be just a place where you go and, and, dump your concept video and walk away. Yep. If you want to be successful with YouTube, you need to collaborate and engage and really, you know, they have their own, you know, like kind of social network uh, built into it. They have all sorts of tools and tactics that a lot of people don't utilize. And it should be part of your marketing plan for sure. You know, releasing multiple videos over a release cadence and promoting it and engaging with those audience. And, and also, I noticed a lot of times there's really great comments, mm -hmm. you know, on yeah. on video, and you know you can connect with those fans. It's it's just a really great thing. The only complaint from the music business is like, you know, it's not about the money; <laughs> it's about the money, right? You, you gotta you gotta pay. You gotta pay. Uh, but but to be <clears throat> well, I don't want to say to be fair to YouTube, but one thing that you also have to consider about YouTube is. Uh, they have insane storage and serving costs, you know. So when you're talking audio, those are such small files, relatively speaking. When, when you when you talk about video, boy, you've got just and 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 the, the amount of content that is loaded into their system every can't hour is stunning. And so, you know, I, I can imagine what those costs are. I mean, it, it must just be frightening. And and they and I haven't seen their 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 P&L lately, but you know, that's, that's always been a big drag on their profit, which is just, yeah. it's so expensive to store and serve this much content. Um, yeah. and yeah, not that I'm playing the violin for them, <laughs> but I'm just pointing out that it's a, a different, again, it's a different animal than, than the other music services by far. And yeah, it's not yeah. apples to apples. It's apples to oranges yeah. for sure. When you're talking about Spotify versus excuse me, yeah, YouTube versus everybody else. Yeah, I had a, f a friend, an artist manager, a couple of weeks ago, ask me about pseudo videos, right? And that's just where you see the album art and then the audio bed. And he's like, w what is this? There's no video. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's no video. It's just the audio. And I explained to him that people make playlists out of those. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get more plays and engagement out of that pseudo video, static video, visualizer, whatever you want to call it, then you will an expensive concept video. So your plan of attack should include multiple uh, videos. But the other number that jumped out at me here is that um, they say that, you know, yeah, today's news is that it's $4 billion, but YouTube lifetime payout has now surpassed 15 billion and likely surpassed 16 billion, according to Music Business Worldwide. That's that's a lot of money, <laughs> no matter how you slice it. You know that's so. It's I wish their rates, you know, their payout rates were higher. Um, I wish they had more paid subscribers. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's that's the dilemma now is for all digital service providers is to 
get more revenue from them. Well, and just speaking of subscribers, don't forget. So, so you can subscribe to YouTube Music as a subscriber, uh, yeah. which is nine ninety nine 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 ninety nine a month, or via yeah. an eleven ninety nine per month subscription to YouTube Premium, which bundles in access to paid for YouTube Music. So, again, it's it's a it's a strange beast, and it's yeah. it's different. I do subscribe to it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because I. I I like the service, um, and I. But you know, I subscribe to a lot of these DSPs so I can you know check my artists and make sure everything's set up okay and and see how they're evolving and changing. Um, the thing about you know we were talking about brands. I mean, what a brand with Google. You know, it's everybody knows who Google and YouTube yeah. is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, they get so much traffic. Uh, that goes through there. I always tell people, go to where the party is, and the party's over at Google and YouTube. That's right. And by the way, subscriber data for YouTube Music, uh, as of at least last October, is that YouTube had over 30 million YouTube Music and or YouTube Premium subscribers, up from 20 million at the end of 2019. You were frozen there, Jay. Yeah, so are you. We're back. We're, we're back, back live. See, we're we're doing this, you know, live, and we're doing it remotely, and we're just gonna. Yeah, we the just show keep must going. Go on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else can see that you were frozen for a moment, Jay. So or, okay. or that I was. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's a that's a respectable number. But when you look at you know compared to the what is it 158 million from Spotify, that's a that's a pretty big gap between the two. But it's growing yeah. without a doubt. It's growing over there, yeah. YouTube. But yeah. uh, and it will continue to be something that I visit every day, every day. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to see what they serve up to you when you yeah. just law. You know, when you just go to your your, your homepage, and it is a, a strange and wonderful beast, Jay. Well, you just touch on something that's really important, and that is that I read the stat the other day that eighty percent of the views are coming from the right rail. Now that is like if you watch a video mm-hmm. and then there's that right yeah, uh, rail yeah. of videos that if you don't hit pause or stop, it just keeps feeding you from that right yeah. rail. Uh-huh. And I thought that was really interesting that it was that high. So you may go there to watch your flight video, but then next thing you know, it's feeding you the accidentals or it's feeding you something else. And I mean, YouTube, I watched my focus group of my four kids. Um, they that's their weapon of choice oh, I mean, they, they can find everything they want there yeah. it's easy they can build their playlists they can listen to it when they study mm-hmm. or they can actually be engaged and watch and they're not they're not watching cable tv no they're watching youtube yeah 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 absolutely all right well let's move on to the next story jay uh yeah. this is from the new york times <clears throat> some venue owners yeah. get a federal lifeline others are told they're dead and more Ugh, I just I well I'll let you start with it. But I well, say. you know, there's there's this money, this pool mm-hmm. of money. It's uh, you know the uh, applications for the venue operators grant program. You know, sixteen billion dollars in federal aid. But there's some there's some hiccups there. You know, it says as emails finally started arriving late last week, some business owners got a good got good news. Uh, that they've been waiting for. You know, they were going to be awarded a piece of the $16 billion federal grant fund intended to preserve music clubs, theaters, and other live event businesses devastated by the pandemics. But some applicants ran into obstacles, including discovering that the government thinks they're dead. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and listen, to be fair, um, and this isn't necessarily a this only well it, it it's certainly this program has challenges but every program does and there's a big article in the Los yeah. Angeles Times where, where you and I are, of course are in in the state of California and there was mm-hmm. a big article about just the infrastructure system for the unemployment system uh, the un- uh, federal or the state unemployment system here in California and how it just I mean it was just too many people and not enough resources and this is this is the theme throughout a lot of these uh, programs uh, over the pandemic and they just got hit hard and they weren't well how could you prepare for yeah. a pandemic and yeah. just the sheer numbers right exactly I, yeah that's it, mind-boggling all of a sudden you know maybe they're in the thousands and it goes to in the millions you know almost overnight yeah um it's hard you know they 
I love this piece because they talked to some club owners, uh, some that have received funds, some that haven't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were talking to this guy, uh, Bob Hansen, the managing partner of uh, Bobby McKee is a piano bar near Washington. It says that he received a cryptic email Tuesday afternoon that began, quote, your name appears on the do not pay list with the match source DMF, you know, and he says a few minutes of frantic Googling, you know, revealed that this was a reference to the government's death master file, a record of more than 83 million people whose deaths have been reported to the Social Security Administration. So, you know, Mr. Hansen immediately called Social Security, you know, which referred him to this local office and told him that they could not find any record of his name being on that death list. You know, the the office agreed to send him a form affirming that he's alive, you know, but that, you know, the document was sent by mail. And of course that's going to take a while. And it reminded me of, I think it was a Mark Twain quote, you know, rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, and, and that's, and that's an, an important point, which is, you know, yeah, a lot of these comp or a lot of these, um, uh, programs, you know, it's a, it's a, you have to send things in, it's by mail and it's just a, an absolute mess. And that's the way unemployment was a mess in, in most States, as far as I know, certainly here in California. And, um, and I'm not surprised that these programs have these tremendous hiccups and infrastructure problems and data problems. And it's just tragic, quite frankly, tragic. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, some of these venues will never come back right. and it's heartbreaking. And I'm so happy to see these dates being booked now for some of these venues. Yeah. And I'm like, great, finally, you know, things are, you know, just hang in there. Uh, things are slowly coming back. Um, it says here, you know, the glitches uh, were the latest to, you know, haunt this program, which has suffered many delays, including a complete failure of its online system. And you and I just talked about that. There's reasons for that. You know, how can you ever anticipate the sheer volume? It says that 13,000 people applied seeking a total of $11 billion. Uh, the Small Business Administration has not yet released details on how many uh, it has approved. Um, but uh, uh, help is on its way, and hopefully they can work through some of these uh, hiccups. Yeah, and, and two, uh, in this uh, month's, or excuse me, this week's edition of the newsletter, two articles, one New York Times, one Billboard as well, very similar. Um, and so yeah. worth, worth, worth putting that in, in front of your... your just your knowledge base because it's important to know what's going on still out there with a lot of these, a lot of these venues and they are still yeah. still trying to, trying to get some money and still trying to, you know, get some dates go happening. And it's, yeah, that of course is such an important part of our industry of the music industry. Oh my gosh. The lifeblood of it. And there is some encouraging news in here. And this made me feel good when I read this, this part, um, if all patrons who had tickets called in and said, I need a refund, it was game over. Instead, many opted mm -hmm. for a credit on their account, and about a third donated the cost of their tickets back to the yeah, venue. that's lovely. That's nice. That is, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, that that is... That's the music industry that I love. Well, there you go. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's jump over to the next article. This one uh, in the LA Times, and... Uh, TikTok stars like Bella Porch, I guess Bella Porch, Porch is the right yeah, word. Bella yeah, Porch. Bella Porch, exactly, can turn random songs into hits. So why not make them in themselves? And uh, let me pull that article up. But I got to tell you, uh, Mike, this this Bella Porch track, it's called Build a Bitch. Mm -hmm. And yes, that sounds crass. And you're thinking, you know, this is probably, a, you know, one of these stupid things. It's brilliant. I mean, lyrically, she's basically saying, you know, you can't, you men out there cannot build the perfect woman. You accept me warts and all. You accept me for who I am. If you want to build a whatever, you know, don't, don't think of me. And this is one of the most clever videos I've seen in a decade. It is that good. The way that they put this together and the production value and the campiness of it. This reminds me of like the first time I saw Michael Jackson's uh, thriller. Yes. It was like, it's a little mini movie. Movie. And if you haven't seen it, uh, Bella Porch, Build a Bitch. Um, it's 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 a catchy song. It starts with the chorus. You know, you and I always lovingly joke. You know, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yes. And in a streaming world, you got to grab people right away. But this thing, this track, is catchy and really smartly done. Well, but but 
uh, which I didn't know this. So the most liked TikTok clip of all time, which has yeah. 40 million likes at last count, is is a, a video that Bella did of her just lip syncing to, a, to yeah. a track. And so the point being, well, if she has that many followers, you know, if, if she's that... I mean, let's let's give her let's let's make her an artist herself. <laughs> exactly, it's this yeah. new A and R tool, right? Yeah. We've seen this with a lot of artists now who are starting to break on TikTok, and the actual number is down here in the article somewhere. But it was over a hundred million streams, I think, of of Build a Bitch, and you can launch a career now uh, through TikTok. They they talked to another artist. It's pronounced Jaden, but it's spelled J X D N. Yeah. And it says, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mandalay Bay beach in Las Vegas, Jaden gave what he calls his first performance ever, you know, a real thrill to judge by a video clip. The 20 year old social media influencer posted on Instagram, you know, he flung himself around the stage and yelped and sang, you know, think about me. And now he's got, you know, uh, he had Better Off Dead, which was a pretty cool track, but he's got this new track out, um, and it's actually really good, and it's uh, there's guitars in it. You know, we talked last week about Olivia Rodrigo and her new track, which sounded like a you know, early 80s pop mm -hmm. punk thing mm -hmm. with guitars, and I love seeing guitars come back. I guess everything's cyclical, but this Jaden uh, artist, again, an influencer who's coming over to release music, is you know is pretty talented and the songs are very catchy <laughs> there's one line that just cracked me up in here it says of course pop music long a destination for cultural carpet baggers thanks to the low barrier to entry uh it's like <laughs> cultural wow. carpet baggers uh whatever yeah. um yeah, but you know it's uh, not a surprise. You know these are these are people who who have these gigantic followings, and yeah, yeah you've got to you know you've got to jump on that. And I, don't, I didn't see the was there details of she is she signed with a label. I didn't even see that in the article. But um, it, I don't know which label picked it up. And I mean I'm 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 sure that there was a label involved in in that video. You know, and it's not just TikTok. I mean, Twitch is starting to produce some uh, really meaningful fan bases for artists. So it's not just the old, you know, A&R guy mm -hmm. showing up at the club. I'm going to make you a star, kid. You know, now artists are taking it into their own hands yeah. and growing these huge bases with these platforms. And some of the music is garbage. I've heard some things that are just like... <laughs> We got this thing, my partner Jeff and I got this uh, tape last week, and it was it was horrendous. Like, I texted him, like, is there a chorus in this song? You know, <laughs> is there a melody in this song? And But that's really kind of the minority. Some of these artists that we're talking about, like Addison Rae and Jaden, and uh, I mean, these are really good songs, but it's a song-based economy. It's not about EPs and albums. There's a... a a uh, really interesting uh, paragraph here about the shift from $13 CDs, and I would argue $18 CDs, mm -hmm. to you know, nine 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 ninety nine a month Spotify. It says it's done nothing to diminish the perceived cool of rappers and pop stars, which helps explain why marketing-minded TikTokers already reasonably close to music, thanks to the app's foundation of lip sync and dance challenges. They're so eager to make records that will bring in only a fraction of the money they can make hawking branded hoodies and cosmetics. Mm -hmm. So it's not like music is even their primary revenue source for some of these, well, let's call them influencers. There you go. Yes. <laughs> crazy man well and that's you know it's articles like this that make me feel old um because it's just you know it, the the whole concept of an influencer is like wow i mean i understand the concept currently and and in many ways we've you know throughout the history of the music business you've tried to tap into folks like that you know that 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 kid at school that is always hip and, and on top of music or that person you know we, we didn't call them influencers but that was kind of that your go-to music resource and we, you you tried to reach them first but this is like like everything in, in in today's climate this is like that that person on steroids and um, it's just, and, but for, of course, for the generation of our kids, it's, this is just, this is the, this is what they know. And this yeah. is just the way it is. And 
it's pretty stunning when you look at the numbers and how many how many people follow these people and yeah it's a logical a logical conclusion to that as they jump in with their own material and yeah and look some of the stuff is really good yeah. you know i mean, i mentioned uh, build a bitch a lot in, in this uh, story um, it, it talks about her uh, um, her background um, she um, she was actually in the Navy. In the Navy yeah. yeah, she was a 24-year-old Filipino-American woman who served in the Navy before hitting big on TikTok. And, uh, you know, it says on YouTube, the song's creepy, funny video has already been viewed more than 100 million times. Wow. And that put it in the Billboard Hot 100. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Man. There you go. There, there you go. Let that be a lesson to all of us. <laughs> That's There's right. several ways to break artists. Great piece in the uh, in the L.A. Times. Yeah. Did we mention? Let me look at the top. I didn't know if we mentioned uh, who wrote that. That was uh, Michael Wood. Yes, a longtime um, uh, uh, music uh, uh, columnist for the Los Angeles Times. Yeah, he does a lot of great great pieces. He does such great work for for the L.A. Times. Yeah, so, and Michael um, by spell spelled M I K A E E. A little different uh, spelling, but uh, yeah, yeah, he does a lot of. Well, work your name sure. is spelled a little different. Your name is Michael, and it's spelled. It's technically michelle actually though so yeah. the french pronunciation or the french well my my iphone calls you michelle yes it does as it should okay as it well, should. There you go. well jay my favorite i want we, we didn't mention this at the beginning of the show but my favorite article this week in uh in the in the newsletter was actually this one I want to chat about just briefly, which is uh, where is it here? Uh, is that the acronym? Yes, one? it is. Oh, yeah, it's on Hypebot, of course. It's the acronyms that you need to know. Oh my gosh! Oh, great. this is so good. And it was written by Greg Majewski from CD Baby's uh, DIY yes. musician blog. But uh, uh, go ahead and kick it off. I I really enjoyed this piece. And look, a lot of these things. Some of our listeners will already know it's, yep, I know what a PRO is. I know this stuff. But you'd be surprised at how many people don't want to be the guy that raises his hand in the classroom and go, uh, or in the what, meeting. <laughs> what's an ISRC code <laughs> again? Right. And every you know? industry, of course, has, has you know, I kid that, that you need an acronym decoder ring sometimes because, <laughs> you know, you, they just, you know, and especially when you're in a meeting or you're, you're having a conversation, they fly, man. It's like, yes. blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to basically, uh, step back and say, okay, we have, what is a PRO? What is a, per, in this case, performing rights organizations? What are they? Right. And then they, not only they say what it is, but then they mention that, you know, what the PROs are. So in the U.S., we've got, of course, ASCAP and BMI. Then they say, what does ASCAP and BMI do? And then they mention CSAC, which is that third PRO in the U.S. And how is it different from ASCAP and BMI? But it is kind of something that, you know, it, there are articles that need to be printed out and set on your desk for, for future use. And this is one. Well, I the, learned something from this one. Like it says, how is CSAC different from ASCAP exactly, and BMI? Yes. I didn't know this. They, they said that there are two main differences. Uh, it's invite only, meaning songwriters must either be invited to the organization mm -hmm. um, or recommended by a member. And it's for profit, which means it tracks down royalties yeah. more actively to earn its share of revenue. So, you know, there's you can teach an old dog new tricks. And I didn't even know that CSAC was in the U.S., to be honest. I, I knew of it as, as being a European version of ASCAP and BMI, but... But there it is. It is here, as a matter of fact. Um, and then they talk about what an IPI, what is an IPI? Now, this one I didn't know. Uh, once a songwriter is affiliated with a performing rights organization, they are assigned an e IPI number, which stands for Interested Party Information. Think yeah. of this number as a social security number for songwriters. Each songwriter is assigned an IPI from their PRO, their performing <laughs> rights organization, that is unique to them. And what does an IPI yeah. do? And how do I get an IPI? And all of these things yeah. are like, I mean, I knew much of this, but I didn't know everything that this article had, you know, and, and I, yeah. again, oh, it's, it's... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This is one of those, like you said, that you should print out, hold on to this. It's also in chronological order, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. As you write a song, you know, record a song, release a song, license a song, it's in that chronological order. And I love the fact that Greg points out the difference between an abbreviation, what he calls initial initialisms, um, and an acronym. And this was something that was pointed out to me one time that an acronym basically is 
when you have an abbreviation that kind of makes a word, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. PRO, PRO, yeah. you know, something like that. And then an abbreviation, you know, uh, like UPC is an abbreviation and ASCAP is an acronym because it makes it kind of a word. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Not yes. that it matters, but I love that he has a link in here <laughs> with the definition for people. <laughs> Nicely done, Greg. Nicely done. One that I didn't know was ISWC. Uh, and that is, uh, an ISWC is what the, the, uh, the PROs use to identify each individual composition that's registered to them. This allows them to accurately track and pay royalties for a song. Uh, it's linked to a composition when it's, when, when it's performed in any way that would generate a performance royalty. How do you get, well, so that one I did not. Well, you just nailed it. It's. That is about the recording, yes. right? The ISR. I'm sorry for for no, uh, the a, composition. Yes, composition. The ISRC is for, for the recording, right? That's right. That's kind of the difference. And and in the music industry, most everybody I know knows what an ISRC code is. It's that unique identifier mm-hmm. for the song, but they're not dealing with publishing necessarily. Correct. So they maybe wouldn't know what the ISWC is. Yeah. So again, you know, you think you know it. But there's always stuff to learn. That was such a fun piece. <laughs> and it has been doodly printed out onto my, and it's, it's in my small stack oh, yeah. of things. Yeah, I saved that, it. That I absolutely need to know. Well, on that note, Jay, we should probably wrap up this edition. We've This is episode yeah. number 43. You are heading back to SoCal from Napa. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going from here to the airport. I'm going to hop on a plane and get home. And I'm not going to reveal the surprise, but I will tell our listeners that you and I have a surprise. um, episode coming up Mm -hmm. and that's all we'll say Um, but but we are thrilled uh, with what we will probably announce in the next week or so so stay stay tuned to your morning coffee Um, go to yourmorning.coffee uh, subscribe to the newsletter if you don't already. And please tell your friends uh, about Your Morning Coffee, the podcast. Let's uh, make this party a little bigger. Absolutely. And big thanks to Banzoogle, Hypebot, and Bands in Town that help us put this pr- production together because without them, we could not do it. So we do appreciate that. So thanks, everyone, for listening this week. We will be back next week. Yes, we will. Next week will be episode number 44. And thanks Yay. for giving us uh, a little bit of your ear time this week. We certainly appreciate it. So uh, for Jay Gilbert, and myself. This has been the Your Morning Coffee Podcast. We will see you next time. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.